Hello, and welcome to another bout of unboxing. Today, my sparring partner is Eliza Batten. In 2018, Eliza first appeared on the popular TV show Made in Chelsea. The show has raised her profile a little bit on the gram, and Eliza now uses this voice to sell secondhand clothes for charity through her Depop shops and also raise questions around causes which she feels are important. Whilst being on the show, Eliza has managed to balance a um, studying for a degree and has now just started a journalism master's. So whilst very much at the beginning of her career and sort of creating her own path, I'm looking forward to diving into her journey so far and then where she would like to go in future. So without any further ado, welcome to the ring, Eliza. Hi. That How's introduction it? was very kind. It sort of made me feel like I was at my own funeral in a weird way. And was the... Apart you, from the, the future aspect. Yeah, there is still a future. This isn't going to end here. I was just thinking, oh, is this what someone would write on my eulogy? Oh, were you happy with it? Did it sound... I really guess I, that to yourself. That I'd be I'd be very happy. Oh well that's that's definitely a good sign. You must be <laughs> must be doing something right. It's when you it's when you hear what people say about you and you're like, oh my god, that is not the person that I want to be, that you realise <laughs> you probably need to change what's going on with your life. So that's a good sign. And um glad you feel like you're heading in the right direction. But <laughs> Look, I just wanted to start off by talking about where it kind of started in terms of your decision to go on Made in Chelsea, because obviously that would have been a really big moment for you in your life and career and deciding whether to you know, put yourself out there on a, on a very popular show that can build your profile very quickly. So how did that come about and what was sort of the personal experiences around that? Did you, what were the pros and cons that you were weighing up and what in the end made you decide to go on it? So... They reached out to me via social media, which I think they do to a few people. Um, but I was one of the losers that replied because <laughs> I could see myself in that bracket. And I suppose I thought about it for a really long time, sort of tossing up whether it would help or hinder what I saw to be my future and what I wanted out of life. And I, I, I love working on TV and I, I, having never worked on TV before, but I'd worked in modeling and I'd worked with cameras are quite, <laughs> quite vain. So I, do, I like, I quite like, you are very vain. Yeah. And I don't know. I just thought it would actually be quite a cool experience, which it definitely lived up to be, but I just was nervous at having that stamp of made in Chelsea on my forehead. Say, I woke up one day and actually wanted to become prime minister or, or something. God forbid. <laughs> or, you know, a really high powered solicitor. Would that impact me? Would that be something that people then might take me less seriously? But then I sort of was like, come on, Eliza, get real. <laughs> That's not the career path for you. Let's just go for it and be spontaneous. But it took me about eight months to decide. Eight months of sort of tossing and turning. Yeah. It's, before I exited the Rolls Royce. Yeah, exactly. Made the, the big appearance. Um, it, yeah, it's interesting you say that about the whole politician, but I feel like now, you know, Trump and... Exactly, but I don't they, know if formats quite the same way. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not comparing you directly to Donald Trump, but, um, no, 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 what, but you're right. what I'm saying is that you can get you know, you see actors these days, you see musicians these days, and they've made their platform previously from going on one of these shows, which I suppose, you know, for it's a slightly weird thing, but I think there's less of a stamp now. Mm. But it was than, just more whether I, yeah, whether I wanted to sort of be a bum, just go along the more traditional career path. Yeah, for sure. Um, and grind and like work my way up that way uh, without having this potentially holding me back. Yeah. And what, in what ways would you say it, it might hold you back? Like, because would you say it's one of those things that maybe closes as many doors as it opens? Obviously it's a great opportunity. What would you fit? What were you feeling like the doors that might close? Was it just those tradi more traditional? At the time. Yeah. That's just what I thought. I thought it'd be the, those more traditional roles, but then my dad who is in a traditional role, but then he's in insurance. So he was saying, 
that would be quite a good crack actually if you had a broker who was once on reality tv <laughs> as in he said it wouldn't hinder me if i wanted to go down that path um and also he's he's an old fart and he said i'd never google you so i'd probably have no idea and it's not like he watches the show so he he was saying actually you could probably just sneak by you know it's not yeah. it's not love island you're not thrown into some you're not a household name i mean some people from the show totally are but i definitely wouldn't wasn't wouldn't sort of be and so for me it was just he just thought he was actually the one that said you kind of got nothing to lose mum was playing more devil's advocate yeah. saying just think about it think about it guys think about it think about it yeah very balanced decision so yeah talk to me about this first appearance and how was that whole experience of of actually doing the doing the filming and then seeing yourself on tv for the first time seeing that initial yeah. influx of, of followers going out like what's it like um i i was really nervous filming the first day it sort of takes you a bit to get you know because they are it's not like they're little uh hidden cameras they're proper cameras and it, it takes practice and then you completely forget they're there but the first day you're aware they're there so you're sort of just just nervous, you know? And also I knew, I, I sort of bumped into um, Sophie and Fred and they were just so confident and cool and relaxed. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm, I'm 20, just sort of yeah. thing. I felt really young. Yeah, that is, that is very young. And how was it, how was the reaction to you when it did air? Was there some good, <laughs> some, some bad? How did you deal with that? I remember going on Twitter on my, the, the day my first episode came out and I think I only appeared, I appeared short, it was short and sweet, I appeared a couple of times, they just eased me in. Um, and I remember going on Twitter and people saying, this is episode seven, we're nearly at the end of the series, why the hell are they introducing a new person now? And the other people were saying that Fred and I were twins. I just remember that vividly, people were like putting Instagram, because he's got long blonde curly hair, I had long blonde curly Big hair. Big forehead. Yeah, she, oh yeah, I got a lot of abuse about my five head. Five head, hashtag five head. But it's funny. And, and yeah. with the influx of followers, that is a very slow burner. Um, I think, I remember actually after appearing in a couple of episodes, I went to a Christmas party with a couple of my home friends. And <laughs> one of them said, oh, I hear you're on main Chelsea now. And I went, oh yeah, I've just done a couple of episodes. He said, yeah, I went on your Instagram expecting hundreds of thousands of followers. I think you've only got about four. <laughs> Or like four thousand followers. <laughs> oh darn it! <laughs> yeah, that's fine. What in did you get much judgment or people uh, having? Well, unless they're all doing it behind my back, which they could. Oh yeah, well I be. Tell you that. Ignorance is bliss. So who cares? No, actually, everyone was really, really nice about it, which I totally appreciated. I thought, and a lot of people just said, "Fair play. That's a really brave thing to do. I would never do that sort of thing." Yeah, um, I think I think that's fair because sometimes these going on these reality TV shows are looked at as like, oh, you're just so vain. Like you just want followers. You just want fame and all this kind of stuff. But actually th there is more to it than that. Like, as you said, there was, if you want a career in TV, you're good in front of the camera, you're entertaining, you know, that is a skill. You look at some of these people who've really carved out a career like Jamie Lang and Spencer, and they are, really entertaining people like, to be able to just sit down in front of a camera in front of a microphone for an hour and two hours and just make people laugh and you know that that's what they should be doing so I think yeah I think when you see it as something where you're you know adding value offering a skill not just like going there to get you get my followers and if you wanted that if you wanted that sort of fame and followers then there are other shows that would kind of propel you there quicker but i like how maiden chelsea is a slow burner and i like how it's a classic that's been around for ages it it doesn't look like it's going to be going anywhere it just I, I like that consistency about it you know i think it's been i think it's on its 10th year that's crazy yeah it's stood the test of time yeah and i like i like that about it and it you know it has kind of adapted and updated when it needs to but I, yeah, I just like it. And I like how it was something that I used to watch when I was younger. I don't know. I, I still sometimes think, I was on Mrs. Chelsea. That's quite cool. As in, it's, 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 you know, some people say, God, that's lame. But I'm, I think that's well, quite cool. You were probably watching it when you were, say, 13, looking up to yeah. all these people. And then... Oh, yeah, big time. Big, big, big time. What's actually yeah. so funny is 
I actually met Jamie Lang at a pop-up shop when I was about 14 or 15. Who or didn't? Who didn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and I got a picture with him. And actually when we were filming, I showed him that and he I think he looked at me a bit differently. <laughs> he was like, I did. <laughs> so is I just wanted to go back to that mindset between just kind of this chasing followers because that must I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to actually not even if they haven't been on a show it's that mindset of if you just going on one of these shows literally to like oh I'm going on to build my platform to build followers there must be some people who do have that mindset and do you think there's a there's a big difference between going on where you're not tied to how many followers you're you're trying to get it's not about that it's more about enjoying it and trying to be entertaining and in fact like do you think there's a stark difference between though that kind of different mindset but to find right reasons as in i wouldn't say going on it to chase followers is the wrong reason people carve very successful careers on a social media platform and and that's a side job you know like you can never it's one of those things you can never guarantee that you're going to be relevant on a reality tv show that's never something that's cemented into your career path so you could be old news tomorrow and then or, or not kind of giving anything and then they don't the tv shows don't want you anymore and you're on love island and you get kicked out after two days you know like yeah. you can never guarantee that and actually obviously we don't know the long-term game of having a career on instagram but that's something that is there you can monetize and people have very successful jobs off of it. So I'm not surprised people chase followers because if you are on a reality show, you normally can't hold down a nine to five gig. You're going to have to make money elsewhere somehow, right? It, sorry, if you go on a reality TV show. You're not going to be able to hold down a nine to five job. As well? No, no, of course. So, but you also need to like keep making money. Yeah, of course. No, it's... it's, it's and if anything, it's you need definitely to definitely a career path. Money. In that short frame of time because nobody knows exactly the, the 34 maybe yeah. you know, the reality tv are so young we don't <laughs> yeah, know true. what so we're following sort of blind yeah we're following these people that are for me 12 years my senior and i'm just following them thinking god please just keep making money or whatever because please have tv shows keep popping up that i can appear on <laughs> Yeah. like give me hope that don't waste I'm not, more of your time i'm not going down a dead end that sort of we all fall off a cliff at 40 um yeah. so it's one of those things that you sort of have to just keep ride that wave make as much possible from that wave um does that scare you at all that whole needing to keep stay a bit relevant and keep it going well not so much because i'm doing i'm i've taken a slightly different path to that i think yeah, you've also done the education and you, you've and kind of kept both doors open, which we'll get onto. But just before we get onto that um, and remind me to bring it up again, but I just wanted to finish off that, the reality stuff. Um, it's more, I think more than like the chasing followers. For me, it's more this mindset. Like when you went on, were you very keen to be popular and be really well liked by the public? Or did you not like be as genuine as you can be or did you not really care about that as much was it more a case of you were just going to be yourself and if people liked it I don't mind that how because going on at 20 and I'm, I mean if I went on at 20 I had absolutely no idea <laughs> who I was so I couldn't imagine how I would have taken like bits of criticism or seeing what people were saying on social media what was your game if there was a game at all but i was definitely aware that i wanted to be liked which is such a stupid way to play because people will not like you anyway you could be honestly buddy mother Teresa, and there would still be people who wouldn't like you you can't please everyone but i didn't know that at the time and i just was a bit of a people pleaser i wanted people to like me i wanted to come across well i also wanted to come across i wanted my sort of good traits to come across and not necessarily my bad ones which is silly and in hindsight, I would have been a bit more, I wouldn't have played it quite so safe because you get more, you get as much out as you put in and I probably stayed a bit more reserved. But saying that, I also had a lot on my plate. And so I think it was a bit of self-preservation that I didn't want to go down, cause an, 
get down to London, cause an absolute shit storm, come back up to Durham and then have that on my mind when I was mentally concentrating on uni work. I had to, I was a bit of a Hannah Montana. I, <laughs> I went from the girl, like the student that no one really cares about going down to London, living this very kind of glamorous, cool, fun life. Yeah. And then going back up to Durham and really having to switch off. I really had to try and switch off because otherwise I would sit in the Bill Bryson, which you know well, you know, you know that place well, the library of Durham. And I would sit there. And if I had done something quite, if there was some drama going on down south, that's all I could concentrate on, even though I had mm. deadlines. So I had to really try and switch off from down south. So then I didn't want to create too much. I don't know. I just remember actually at the very beginning of my second series when the whole James Verity thing happened. That was quite dramatic for me. And it was my first bit of real drama that I had feelings invested in. And I remember going right. back up to Durham and being quite upset by it. Yeah, you know? sure. And then, yeah, then I had to kind of switch that off because also I couldn't really talk to anyone about it because I hadn't aired yet, so nobody understood. Um, and it was just that, it was just weird. So then I'd have to go back and concentrate at uni. So I reckon in hindsight, it's better to do it when you're living in London. You can sort of live and breathe it because then you can give so much more to it. Yeah. Did you kind it's of, yeah, it sounds like you were almost living this, not double life, but in that you still had your, you kind of still held on to this very grounded, normal girl lifestyle and you didn't fully throw yourself and, and lock yourself into the, you know, reality TV star path. Yeah, so you're, I couldn't, unless I wanted to forego no. my degree. I but um, do you think it will reach a point in your life where you'll where you'll have to decide between one of those two paths sort of going straight to the straight to the chase here with with the therapy questions but have you thought about that maybe i saw uh, do you know what covid has sort of thrown everything haywire because mm. i sort of had this idea that I'd graduate Durham and then have a year in London where I just sort of like went for it, whether that be me in Chelsea or modeling or whatever it was, like I'd just kind of go for it, all guns blazing, and see what I could create yeah. and then, yeah. then, then evaluate my options. But that hasn't happened and I, and I didn't want to be just sat locked down in, with nothing to do. So that's why that was a main reason for doing my master's. I thought I may as well get serious now and use my time wisely um, because you've made, you know, main Chelsea quite difficult in COVID time. Filming reality TV is really difficult when you're, when you're having to abide by restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, so I just thought I may as well get serious now and maybe, and not shut that door completely because yeah. I think it will be one of those things that will always be there and I can always, you know, it's like a pretty timely thing and who knows in the future, but I just thought I need to focus on something. And when you say about the going the other route which would have been sort of this go for it you say what in your mind is that is that a, a very different really route can't. to the traditional it was more just I wanted a year I wanted like a debrief year of just sort of being a bit spontaneous maybe throw myself into main Chelsea maybe not maybe volunteer maybe not maybe go traveling it was just this year I just wanted a year of just being quite free and having no restraints and being able to just chop and change or it, there was no there was no structure to it whatsoever and then it was sort of I was going to set myself a time where I sort of had to like okay let's sit down now and work out where I go from here but you can't be hanging those years in COVID it's no just, exactly yeah that's true so uh, you've, you've made the most of your time and, and done what, what is possible to and to actually I wouldn't I'm loving my masters and this wouldn't have been a bad thing to do even in normal times it's a really cool yeah 100% master. So when you look ahead at your career, I don't know how much you do look ahead into the, the long term, but do you see yourself more as someone that's going to hopefully double down on the platform that you've building through MIC and your own voice and maybe doing your own independent kind of stuff and with social media? Or do you see yourself more going into working for a company, going down more a traditional, like, I know we've, this is, been quite a big theme of our chat already but do you see yourself as one or the other or you really don't know yet depends on opportunities that come up totally depends on opportunities that come up I don't see myself going down the traditional career path I don't see myself working in an office I feel I'm a bit of a 
I, I think I like to think of myself as a bit of a creative. I love creating content and I love, I love editing videos. I've no, like learned that in my masters. I love being behind the camera as much as in front and I love filming and directing and editing. And I just love creating substance that people can sort of watch and engage with. And sure. Um, whether that be a cringe Instagram reel or a serious documentary. Very cringe. <laughs> yeah, but I love, I love that. Like, I love creating that. I find yeah. it so joyous. Yeah. Um, and I sort of love the reactions and I don't care if I get, I don't care that I reckon I've got a lot of rugby male peers from school watching it together and lolling. I don't mind yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's a good job you don't mind because, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of them. Talk a bit more about that. So how does it look for you now and, and using Instagram? Is it, is it something that you wake up and you go, right, what does the day look like? Let's plan in my stories. Let's plan in my posts. How does it work? Not stories, but definitely content as in the, the reels I make because it's my friend who does all the filming, editing and choreographing of them. So we need to work out <laughs> a plan and get brands involved and like write it all down as when we're doing it. So we've booked in next week. We're filming Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. So yeah, it does, because it, it takes like freaking two hours for a 20 second video. So for these reels, you actually have a, a team. Well, not a team, but someone yeah, yeah. actually helps you film it. Two people behind the camera, yeah. Two people behind the camera, which people watching don't necessarily know about. They think, they, they for all we know, it could just it's be you. A little tripod. <laughs> on a little tripod. Yeah, that's what I thought it'd be. So yeah, it does mm. take a lot of planning and that's to do this properly. Yeah, yeah. My first ever reel was on a little tripod and you can just tell comparing it is just very scrappy because it's oh, it, the, the fashion reels I do are so it's all in the detail and it's all in the transitions. And so you have to be in the when you change outfit, you have to go back to the perfect place. And so you need someone behind the camera directing the person who's literally moving my body into like the perfect place. And then you say go and then you move for like two seconds, then you stop again. It's, it's such a long process. Yeah. But the content I just love. I think there's so joyful reels are just joyful yeah no it is cool when i hear you talking about it in this kind of way because as i say a lot of people look at instagram and making content as this purely vain process of like i'm just putting out pictures that make me look as good as possible and i want you all to like them but no and there, also, there can be a lot more to it than that there can be a much more creative process behind it getting that on because brands yeah. see those reels and they think, oh, I want to get on that bandwagon. 100%, um, yeah. So it is a, yeah, it is, a, it, yeah, it's a fun So thing. how, if you don't mind me asking, how does the monetization work now with, a, you know, you've got 50,000 followers. How does that monetization work? Obviously, there's the classic, you know, 60. Oh, nearly 60. God, you really are counting. Um, <laughs> so how does it work? Do you you can obviously do the, the classic post with the hashtag ad and you know you you put it in but are there more creative ways to do it now can you're talking about reels there what are the ways that you can actually monetize when you start to build up a following and and can you well, get I, don't, I, I, I am very lucky i've got a manager who sort of does all that for me which is very nice because i wouldn't have i don't think i could be freelance with my masters and stuff it would just be a lot of work um and so she sort of reaches out to brands or brands reach out to her and they sort of negotiate yep. and pitch me as to whether I am sort of keen or not. Sure. Um, and but it's so fun because being able to work with some really fun and cool brands. So I, and I love that. And I love also being creative with, they'll give you a brief, but I like to be creative within that brief and just yeah. make it a bit fun and a bit more me. So is it, is it important that it stays authentic because you obviously see those reality TV star posts where they've literally a brand's gone will pay you x and then they're just literally holding like a shampoo in front of the a selfie and it's like there you go what do you make of that yeah i i haven't actually taken on any brands yet that i don't use or wouldn't use sort of thing yeah um, so just wait till mcdonald's comes along you'll be you'll be running after them don't you? <laughs> mcdonald's <laughs> mcdonald's oh my god yeah Oh, that would be the dream. Yeah, um, so for example, dream. if I like get a shampoo and conditioner, as you said, I would use it before 
sort of advertising it always. Right. Always. Yeah, I think sure you would. Sure you would. I swear on my life, and actually I got one recently and I won't name the brand, but it's made my hair quite greasy, so I'm not going to promote shampoo conditioner. Fair enough. So it's... It, it, so it's, Because as soon as you start posting about things that aren't aligned, it, it, it almost loses your, your credibility, doesn't it? So it's a long-term 100%. thing. And I've made mistakes in the past. Like I've promoted a, one brand in lockdown that I really liked, but they had problems with delivery. And so then people come to me as if I was their customer service, right. being like, this is my product, I bought it off, you know, your recommendation. And I was thinking, oh God, well, I love, it wasn't that the product was bad. It was uh. delivery, stuff like that. And then I look bad. So I try and do all, I like to be, feel very confident when promoting around, but also it is something, it's a product that I would endorse sort of thing. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I think if I'm being honest, that does really come across like with your, with your content. And I think, I think people agree. So yeah, you're obviously doing something right. And what about the other side of Instagram? Because what's your, obviously it's part of your work. It's part of an income stream for you. But as we all know, there's some downsides of something like Instagram, especially when it's such a big part of your life. And there's probably a big crossover between your personal and your you know, business life. Massive. So what are, what are some of the pitfalls you've had and what's your relationship like with it? I think the pitfalls are social media is an addiction. Um, and I'm definitely addicted. It's sort of the first thing I look at and I have to, and I have to be active to not look at it, which is silly. So like yeah. now I don't, I put, turn my phone off before I go to bed. I sort of leave it in a drawer and then I read a book. So that is something, an active decision that I've made as to how I want my nighttime routine to be rather than flicking on the phone and sort of falling asleep yeah but I've had to make that an active thing sort of scares me in a weird way and you know it's the first thing I'll reach over and I'll do a scroll in the morning to sort of wake up I should be able to wake up without that but that's just what I do um and yeah it is funny because um the one thing I think I struggle with is I sort of have to factor in days off from it because right. I need days off. I need days where I don't feel like I need to put anything on my story sure. or post anything and not, and not worry about it. Um, and I sort of have to factor them in. For example, when you go on holiday, you sort of can switch off and turn off work. You may have some emails to do, but like you can on the whole switch off. Whereas for me, that's prime content time. So my days off are really just the really boring, tracky days at home rather than a day off where it's something really fun and exciting and live in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's difficult that I, I can. Um, but what I have changed sort of recently, but not that recently, I, I've always liked to think I was more authentic than the average Joe on it. But what I've just completely accepted is I don't prang. I, li- I like to keep it real. So I like, if I'm not wearing makeup and I'm feeling really not my attractive self, doesn't phase me I'm still gonna talk on my stories and post it I'm not gonna go to the bathroom put on a face of makeup or use some weird warping filter um so stuff like that or Mm. if I take a really nice photo I quite like to justify it with what I actually look like after or before or yeah you know I I noticed that I have a responsibility to show that I don't look like that the whole time and that's fake news. And do you think that helps your own mental health as well? Because it keeps, I know that I've struggled with that before as well, is this, because you can almost make these Instagram posts look amazing. You sort of set the expectations for yourself to always exactly. look great. And actually it's just and so unrealistic. Your worst and they're never going to be shot sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you oh, should, just make, your, you should just make your Instagram just series of pictures of you looking terrible that would be brilliant that i would definitely follow that and not yet it's funny actually all my less attractive pictures are always a swipe so i'm not i haven't yet crossed the bridge you can't of face in the feed when people come on i i sort of want to keep the feed aesthetic i have i'm 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 a, I'm a perfectionist i still want the feed to look good but i want reality to be there you just have to kind of yeah. look for it maybe one day maybe one day i'll just let go of the reins and yeah. not worry but but the, but i enjoy creating aesthetic pictures as well so it's sort of like a yeah no exactly no, it sounds like a better balance but yeah one thing i was thinking about when you brought up the 
present staying present things in the you know when you're having like a great holiday you don't want to be oh my god wait hang on i just need to quickly do this story that's so like that's so shit but then i do get that you know for people like you there's a need to share the good things that do happen so one thing i've liked to do is is just i don't know whether you do this or i probably do but take pictures on the camera app rather than actually on the instagram app and then mm. just do a story like later when i'm back in the, back in the a bit of a pro actually me um but <laughs> is that does that kind of thing help because i hate that feeling of oh wait i just need to do this little caption on this story and um i'm not sure what people are gonna think like you're just completely out of them like that's so bad to be around i think it's safer to do it throughout the day and then you can sort of work out which is which is worth more up. curated yeah, yeah. more like, filtered but I don't know. I I've got quite quick at it now, so I'll just quickly. Nobody even notices. Boom, 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 up. <laughs> yeah. Wipe up the room. Nobody even knows they're on camera. It's probably very unethical. And then yeah. a quick caption, and up it goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so would you say it's in terms of when you have had got into a bad pattern? Has it been around that kind of perfectionist needing to? look perfect the whole time what what actually has come to a head in terms of it's more the pressure of feeling i like to always have something in the pipeline and i feel really nervous i don't have anything any backup if i don't have any content saved and then i start again i don't know it's i guess it's that it's anyway yeah it's that almost (laughs) i'm not putting words in your mouth here but i I, because i've it's only stuff that I've experienced, so I'm guessing you may have as well, but it's that almost linking your your real life self-worth to like the number of likes you get or the number of interactions you're getting on the platform. And so you need to keep getting those right reinforcements come in to make yourself feel good. Sure. So I've, yeah, to an extent, to an extent, but I've become very, I don't, I really, and this is the truth, I really don't care how many likes I get. I think I'd almost rather views in the sense that like, I'd, yeah. if people are looking and not liking, I don't care because they've looked anyway. So who yeah. cares whether you bubble touch or not. So I really, 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 really do not care. It, it's cool when I, a picture's done really well and I think, God, that was a bit, I didn't really see that coming or a picture hasn't done well. It's like, okay, but I really am not bothered. Obviously if it got two likes, I'd be a bit gutted, but in the grand scheme of things, whether it's a thousand likes or, 5,000 likes, it really, really, really does. Do you think it's slightly easier for you? I don't know, but do you think it's slightly easier for someone like you who's got a lot of followers to have that mindset versus someone who's, say, got 500 followers and if they don't do a great picture, like it it doesn't have as many likes? That is different, right? When it's a bit more obvious. The only likes I value, really. I suppose it's one of those things, you know, if a boy I like likes it, that's exciting. Or if my friends like it, that's nice. They're the likes that I would maybe look out for more, but that's normal. Yeah. That's you'd look out for that when you've got 200 followers. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just in the same way that you'd look out for a comment in real life from someone that you mm. care about the opinion of. Yeah. And it's not and like I, I don't that. care. I don't want to like disregard all the people that kindly follow no, me no, or whatever. Like, yeah. their, their, their engagement is so valuable and I really actually what I prefer though is when people kind of DM and we can have a yeah because I'm like it yeah <laughs> yeah no I, I I've actually um I think well, that's like, a good I way of and I like engaging with my manager because of my community <laughs> I, don't, I don't know my community no I like that though I think but... since I've started doing the podcast I like to KPI it on the number of actual conversations that I have from it like yeah 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 yeah. not about out and out number of subscribers and listeners it's more about like what are the real conversations that it brings about and you know what's the community that you can build i think that's a good thing to focus on um but have you seen just out of interest have you seen the social dilemma i have yeah what were your thoughts on that i just say yeah so the only thing obviously it's making you question everything right and it's making Mm. you that everything's fake news and you, everything you're absorbing is fake news it made me question the documentary itself it's yeah, exactly. of netflix which is a classic i got to the end of the documentary and what does netflix do it recommends me five other shows i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. but it, very ironic yeah it's so ironic but it's on netflix which is a classic you know platform that it, it does that it kind of taps into what you've watched and what you should watch you know recommends and 
So I sort of just, I watched it with a relative pinch of salt, but I understood the points they were getting across and I think they were all valid. Um, But I just, it was, it was also very kind of American and dramatic with a lot of dramatic music and it was all just quite intense. Like it was a, it was a long, intense watch. But it's an, but it had some very, very important points that I think we could all do with taking on board. When you look ahead, what does success look like for you? Obviously, is it, you know, how, how do you sort of compare fame and success and what, what's important to you when you're going forward in your career? Like, is it more, talking about things that are important to you and, and what are the, a few things that you'd like to you know do in the next five years yeah I think my idea of success changed so dramatically over lockdown um I think before it was focused more on the fiscal side of success and money um and that's just sort of what I saw as success but I've never felt more successful than doing my depop drops even though I didn't see a penny I that was success that was the most kind of that was my biggest achievement yeah that for me was success and I felt the fact that like people coming up and saying god that's a really cool thing to do that that was success sure um talk to me a little bit more about about those for anyone that hasn't hasn't sort of seen them so um at the beginning of lockdown I went to donate some food to my local trust trust food bank um and I actually went at the time of when people were collecting their lunch or their sorry their at lunchtime when they were collecting their weekly food and i and it was my local town and i was really shocked at how many people were there um and so i went home and i just thought how can i make money so i can do another food shop so i cleared out my wardrobe sort of against my sister's will cleared out hers um <laughs> and my mum cleared out hers and we raised a couple hundred pounds so i sold it on depop we raised a couple hundred pounds and I could do another weekly food shop for the food bank. And then I just sort of thought, okay, well, we've ex- exhausted our wardrobe, reached out to friends. That then made more money. And then I thought this could actually be a thing. So then I put it on social media and I got such a phenomenal response of people saying, I live locally, I'm willing to donate. Also, we were quite, obviously it was peak lockdown. So we had to be quite careful about collecting the donations. So I basically just sat in a car park um, I think it was actually, it was still in the one hour a day. So one hour outside your house a day. So I yeah. literally sit in the car park. I would open all my boots, my boot, my doors and like stand away from my car. And then people just came, chucked it in and left. They donate their own clothes. Yeah. People that you then sell. That I then sold on my deep platform, raising money. And it awesome. just grew and grew and grew. Um, we did it every week. I think it also helped. Lockdown was the perfect kind of, recipe for it to work because people were on their phones all the time i did it every week at the same time so people knew that was structure for them like people were craving structure um within i felt i was craving a bit of structure something to kind of have in my diary so it was 5 p.m every thursday then i ended up doing it 5 p.m sunday as well to just keep it going um so i think for that people knew they set their alarms sort of for 4 4 55 and then were there so it went a bit nuts um and then I started changing the charities depending on what sort of was in the headlines. And it wasn't because I wanted to stay woke, but it was like, that was something that then I felt was important at the time. And I wanted to be able to adapt and sort of adapt to what the need, current needs were. Yeah. Um, I also know that, you know, Trust or Trust is a charity that I think's amazing but I, but I, but it's a huge charity and, and I over lockdown sort of like Andy Murray raised like 10 million and there was my kind of 1000 and I just thought actually this is, I'm making a lot of money for smaller charities. So I wanted to then target smaller charities that when they received my donation, I literally got emails and letters from them saying, thank you so much during this time. We've been really struggling with donations sort of thing. So I liked being able to. Um, 100%. And how much did you, have you raised through that? Currently on 10,500. That's awesome. Yeah, and are people coming from quite far? Like, would, they, would it be just yeah, all your followers seeing there. your thing and then... Like, yeah, the furthest someone <laughs> drove... Like meet 40. your fans. 
No, no. There was no no one asked for a picture. I, I must chat not. with everyone. I yeah, didn't really know. That must have been really that must And have been then cool. I did um, a Depop drop in Clapham and that got loads. I honestly my little Ford Fiesta couldn't keep up. It was chocker. I had no rear view mirror on the drive back home. Um and that drop made one thousand five hundred pounds in an hour or something. You know, it was just nuts. That's epic. And I'm still doing it. So I've actually got donations to local, a few local people have kindly donated clothes. And my, uh, to get into my flat, it's a bit of an assault course of bin bags full of clothes <laughs> donations. And I'm just trying to find the time. And do you, you, do you sell, sort of 20 hours. do you sell everything or are some pieces like, oh my God, can't. Oh no, can't yeah. We, mom and I were in lockdowns. So we would get, say we got 20 bin bags. We would spend a good couple of hours siphoning through and eight bin bags okay. would go to local clothes bin maybe. You know, because... Yeah. You can't sell because people are paying postage and they're paying. Yeah. You you got to sell high quality, but some of the stuff was outrageously nice. Some people were doing really? so generous their donations. Really? It was. I I think it's nicer to buy like a really nice secondhand piece. Oh, than... No, I agree. Also, charity shops are all closed. So for people who love okay. charity shopping, yeah, I sort of filled it's that kind gap. Of the future of charity shops, yeah. I think it could, could be. So you say that was you felt most successful doing that what, what was it about that that made you feel successful mm, I mean there's no uh, there's that classic debate on friends that there's no such thing as a selfless act between Joey and Phoebe and I agree that there is no such thing as a selfless act as in I gained so much from it as much as I gave like I gained I gained in people's also sort of their their engagement with me was great Mm-hmm. Um, I got such positive response from sort of my mum's friends and locals in the village. Um, it's something you know I can put on my CV as, as, yeah. as kind of candid as that. I, it's something that will live on my CV for, I mean, who knows, a long time, I'm sure. Um, and it's something to talk about. Like, I, it's it's an interesting thing I've done that in lockdown when people always say, "What did you do during lockdown?" I didn't bake banana bread. I raised ten k for charity. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really I'm really glad you said that because I thought you might come out with some really cringe, like, "Oh, I just like you know being really selfless and it's not about me and it's just helping people." And there, I I completely agree that there is. But but when people came that. at me and they said, did you do it for your PR or did you do it for your image, that I... No, of course. But it's what I'm getting from that is it's more like you, you were coming from a place of giving and obviously you got, you know, successful things as a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, more recognition and extra following and whatever. And not, but you weren't... Positive, but, but the intention was, was to give and be... It come from that kind of place. Yeah, and, and I was I'm I am on this that sort of has to stay busy. And don't get me wrong, I was busy in lockdown. I was doing the finals. So it wasn't like I didn't have enough on my plate, but I just wanted something that gave me a bit more purpose. I've just found it mm-hmm. not very fulfilling sitting at my desk in my bedroom, revising or writing essays. Like I didn't find that satisfying. And I wanted something that I could feel gave me structure throughout the week it was the thing that my family and I could all kind of come together and do so my sister and mum would help pack package and take the pictures it was it was a massive team effort and it was something that brought us together um and gave us just a focus throughout the week because especially my mum and sister who didn't have degrees to do they were very lost and in need of purpose and I'm the one with the platform so it made sense like they were as much a part of it as as me I was just more the face um and the fact that I could use my platform for that is honestly the coolest thing. And that's where I love Instagram. I feel like I, the fact I had that power to be able to spread that message and get those donations and make it happen, it wouldn't have happened without Instagram. It just wouldn't have happened. Um, and I got a lot of messages from girls saying that they were trying to They had seen what I was doing. They were trying to do the same thing, but it wasn't getting as much traction. Of course, it's not because you don't, reach isn't there. And if the reach isn't there, it's... Yeah it's hard graft so i have yeah it, it would have been it wouldn't have happened without my following so that's something i'm unbelievably grateful for and i would never i never want to take that for granted the fact that i can could yeah which is no it makes sense and it's it's cool to see a platform being put to good use because obviously some aren't put to as good use as they could be all the time but just before again i want to just go a little bit more further off piste because you bring up kind of the purpose and 
fulfillment and the whole Durham thing. And that's like, that was a big kind of inspiration for why I started this whole show because, you know, I graduated from Durham and I was told I was going to have this very successful and great, you know, career and what, in whatever it may be. But I came out of uni and for the first you know year or two, it was very unfulfilling. I didn't have much purpose at all. Like, what's your general outlook on, you know, when you look at your peers and their decision-making around careers, especially with COVID at the moment is, do you find that a lot of people are struggling for that purpose and that sense of fulfillment in their work? Yeah, I would say, do you know what, the transition from graduating uni to the London rush and then settling in London, it's a big anticlimax. I was sort of warned um, from people in the year above that actually like moving to London isn't all it's cracked up to be. They struggled with the fact that they were just living for the weekend. Mm, 100%. And that's, and that's quite sad that as, as yeah. a society, we often live for the weekend. Yeah. And everything else is just existing to be able to get to the weekend and then have money to spend on the weekend. It just, it's no, a funny sure. old world. But yeah. I don't know. I feel with my master's, I do have a purpose at the moment. But, it's, but then I, yeah, I just... I'm still in that student bubble, so I'm not quite the like nine mm. to five grind. So I can't relate. Can't quite relate to it yet. Yeah, or maybe in a few like, years. Here I am. A few years when you're struggling through the nine nine to five, living for the weekend. I'll get you back. I on. know. Well, and we'll talk about where it went wrong. <laughs> okay. I want to move into the final round and throw a few quick fire questions at you. First one is what keeps you up at night? It's funny, actually, when this question, I, in my mind, I'm going, is it a jovial answer? You can answer it where, whichever for, way you want. Is it a serious, deep, um, <laughs> you know, is it the fact that my neighbor has very loud television? Or is it, um, I don't know. I actually am quite strange that um, I have often get that thing where just before you fall asleep, you jolt awake Check and Instagram. everything bad. No, 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 no. But everything bad that is happening or is going to happen or, and you just, it goes around in your head. I also right. get, I, I, I'm such a, I get pranxiety about social situations and I will have a situation that day that I've just cringed at and it will go round and round in my brain and I just think oh my god why did I do that or why did I say that or why did we both go for the kiss on the right cheek you know stuff like that <laughs> as in why did you know that sort of Brilliant. awkward like most tiny thing that will just yeah. keep me up tossing and turning thinking why didn't I go to the left why did he go to the you know <laughs> fair enough like it uh, the, the double kiss on the right cheek, nightmare. When you, when you both go the same way and you bump noses, yeah. oh, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. Thank God for COVID because that was wiped yeah. that out. Like, that is true, actually. That is one good thing about COVID. <laughs> Second question is who do you look up to or who are your role models? My mum. God, she's going to die. She, <laughs> oh, she will God. Because she's my number one fan. She will listen right to the end. Hello, mum. She is one of my biggest role models. She was sort of the idea behind the Depop. She's volunteered for charity forever. She's always just the person I seek advice from, whether that be what do I message a boy or what should my next career choice be? You know, she's sort of, yeah. I go to her for everything and anything and I just think she's just a cool cool little lady and she's such a good sport um with getting involved in sort of my Instagram if I need her with a brand and like to do something quite cringe she's such a good sport puts herself out there yeah she's my main awesome direct one yeah sort of more celebrity level yeah if there's one on a more you know, where you'd like to take your career or someone that you looked up to in the, yeah, in your so, industry or something like that. Louis through. Is his documentaries are timeless and 
you can always go back and watch them even if they were filmed in 2002 and they've still got a certain amount of relevance and they're still as interesting he doesn't necessarily do the sort of headliners he goes into something a bit more niche and timeless i think and i think that's really cool awesome just one question i wanted to add in as well um slight slightly cringe one but if someone was listening to this who they've got an option to go on a reality show or they want to be a famous or they want to be have more you know they want to go on a show or something what would you sort of say to them or what would you say to yourself before you went on a show i don't know if i'm necessarily the right person to ask only because my life hasn't changed that drastically i'm still (laughs) eliza from the sussex (laughs) i don't (laughs) yeah in my head I was like Benny from the block but I'm Eliza from Sleepy Sussex (laughs) Um, Eliza from Sussex that's your boxing name (laughs) um but yeah because I I kept my life really hasn't changed that much like I've just had really cool opportunities but I don't feel yeah I don't know I just think sort of go for it I mean life's too short YOLO with that one in there. There you go. And final question is um, your track that you choose to play yourself out of the unboxing ring. Um, you don't have an intro in, in unboxing, you have an outro. So what would it be? Please don't let it be Enrique Iglesias. Um, but yeah, what is it? It has to be. It has to be. It's such a good song. Harry, say what it is. So yeah, uh, uh, unfortunately, Eliza's already told me what what she was going to pick for this uh, for this, and it's Enrique Iglesias. Uh, Don't turn off the lights, which is probably the least cool song <laughs> yeah. we've ever had chosen on this show. Um, I may or may not actually play it on the way out. Um, no, it comes with such a good vibe. It's such a good vibe. It would either be that, or the only other songs that I like to listen to are sort of heartbreak autistic autistic acoustic (laughs) autistic songs (laughs) acoustic Uh, heartbreak songs it's people normally pick a really depthy song the lyrics of really about the whole life they've been through and you've literally chosen like a year six disco song um but no it's fine no it's fine (laughs) don't worry um I'll play it out. What about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play it. I would have preferred Hero, but yeah. No, don't turn off the lights, it's fine. Eliza, (laughs) great to have you on and um, I will speak to you soon. Figure it out.